Welcome to Lynn Cullen Live, talk radio without the static. Email your questions and comments to lynn at pghcitypaper.com. And now your host, Lynn Cullen. Hey there. Welcome, 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 welcome. June 6th. Uh, it's a gray Thursday <clears throat> here in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. <coughs> and I'm in my usual state. <laughs> Heavily medicated, I must say. And this is still what what you get. Uh, <laughs> I don't know, as usual, where to start. I guess my first... Let's start with one cringe-inducing little uh, anecdote from the uh, presidential... European tour um, he of course can't go anywhere without taking a side trip uh, to stay at one of his own uh, properties so that's what he did and uh, he went up to his failing uh, resort uh, golf club in um, a little town in in Ireland and he apparently bought this thing uh, four or five years ago paid cash now that's bizarre he paid cash like money launderers do <laughs> he didn't borrow anything and he's the big borrower I don't know he paid cash for this thing and uh, it has never turned to profit like many of his businesses and the thing is he has one of the reasons um, it might be failing is part of the golf course is um, in danger of washing into the uh, sea uh, because of uh, coastal erosion uh, occurring as a result of, <coughs> ready, <laughs> the climate change that uh, he does not acknowledge exists. And... Um, he, his company, has actually petitioned uh, the Irish government for uh, some kind of um, exemption so that Trump can get this, put up a wall, <laughs> oh, I love it, to keep the sea away from his links. You can't make it up. I mean, you can't make it up. And uh, understand, it's out of his way to go up to this. He said it. he was doing it for convenience. It, it's, I'm sorry, it, it's not convenient to fly uh, west when you're, next, when you're actually having to go east. But he does it because he likes sleeping in his own beds, of which there are thousands, as you know. Um, so the, he landed at Shannon Airport in Ireland and the Prime Minister of the Republic of Ireland, um, refused to meet him at his golf club and so they met in an airport lounge. <laughs> the Prime Minister, it should be um, 
remembered of Ireland is an openly gay and uh, married gay man. Boy, have things changed. Ireland has an openly gay PM. And also he has, uh, he's racially mixed as well in that his, at least one parent, seems to have come from uh, Southern Asia. So the president's meeting with him for a little quickie and um, makes a comment, and I thought I had it here, and of course I don't, um, makes a comment about that clearly showed that he thought he was in, still in the United Kingdom. Uh, that he didn't understand that Ireland is not in the UK, that Ireland is a nation all by itself. And he, he was sitting there with its prime minister. And it was so clear that he doesn't know that he was in another country. And it's the, the humiliations. He doesn't feel humiliated. I mean, if, if you were he, I were he, we would never show our face again, having shown up and not even understood uh, what nation we were in and we were representing our nation. We would die of embarrassment. No. He leaves that to us. <laughs> so we can die in embarrassment. God almighty. I, okay. That's really all on that. I just hope to hell I don't uh, have to... Um, Never mind. I was going to say talk about him again, and then I realized something I do want to talk about is related to him. I want to talk about something that's been bugging me. I haven't brought it up. My God, there's a lot of things in the news that I haven't brought up um, that I probably should have. I don't know. But the one that's troubling me is, and I'm not losing sleep over it, let's just make that clear, but it's the state of Florida, which generally troubles me, the state of Florida charging this cop, uh, I guess he was a sheriff's deputy, that was assigned uh, for security at uh, Marjorie Stoneman Douglas High School where, of course, there was a massacre of students. And he was there. He was outside, but he didn't go in. He heard the shots. He didn't go in. He also, when I guess some other law enforcement arrived, sort of told them to stay back. Um, obviously, all of those actions um, could well have meant more 
children died than had to have died. And he's been charged with charges that could get him essentially life in prison. Now what is he guilty of? He's he's guilty of cowardice. Right? That He's guilty of cowardice. The state of Florida is going to attempt to prove that he was guilty of a number of counts of reckless endangerment of children. And that's the kind of um, law, I, I guess child neglect. Child neglect is the kind of law that is aimed at parents and caregivers. It seems, uh, I, I don't know, I'm uncomfortable with it because I don't think cowardice is a crime. I think in a case like this, cowardice carries its own sentence and something that this guy already feels, and that is shame and the absolute trashing of his reputation. In some respects, some people would say it's a punishment worse than life imprisonment. It is life imprisonment. It's taking... I I don't know. I mean, has any of you had that same kind of reaction? I understand that you want to hold somebody accountable and understand that his job was to safeguard children, and he didn't do it because he, knowing there was slaughter going on inside, decided to avoid being one of the victims, which is a calculation that I suspect many people would, would make. I, I don't know. I mean, if you want to start holding people, sending people to jail for this, the, the person who did it, right, is this kid. That's who did it. Should we also hold culpable the people who ignored the danger signs that this kid was capable of violence, he'd shown it, and that the other kids found him scary? Should we hold the, the school officials culpable in some manner of negligence? I don't have answers to any of this. I, these are just questions occurring to me. And I, I think trying to pin a, he's guilty of cowardice. And I don't think cowardice is a crime. I mean, it could be, I guess, 
in the military if you fail to carry out an order that would place you at risk as a result of your own sense of self-preservation. But I, I don't know. It troubles me. I mean, it is a human reaction to want to throw the book at somebody, uh, at anybody and everybody. And none of it will bring those kids back. I'm just saying, bothers me. I'm sure I've told you this story before, and I'll probably get it a little bit wrong, as I probably have before. But um, my brother, who is wont to write books about human emotion, and generally the human emotional uh, stuff that we avoid talking about. So he doesn't write books about uh, happiness and love. <laughs> He writes books about humiliation and disgust. And he was beginning a book, this is years ago, on cowardice. And in doing research on it, he began reading the letters and accounts of soldiers. Um... And he looked at Civil War soldiers' letters, because they are amazingly eloquent. Um, and he looked at World War One, World War Two soldiers' letters. And something amazing happened to him, because this guy who never would write a book about anything other than these sort of like the the negative emotions that we are loathe to acknowledge, generally speaking. Um, he realized as he read the letters that there was such a fine line between courage and cowardice, often, that for the first time he decided instead of doing cowardice, he was going to do courage. <laughs> that other side. And it was one, one event in particular that got him, I think, because it's at the beginning of his book. Um, and it was a Civil War soldier, and I don't remember his name, but... <clears throat> He was a coward. And there were many accounts of this coward, of him lining up with his, whatever, his, his regiment, and uh, ready to go to battle. And then as soon as the battle cry sounded, he would 
take off running in the wrong direction. He would run in sheer terror from his place. And the first time he did it, um, he surprised everybody because he came back after the battle. He came back knowing that he would be shot for desertion. So there's a disconnect there. (laughs) Running in fear from the battle, returning to face the consequence of running. Uh, This guy was lucky enough, I guess, that his commanding officer found it amazing that he came back and let him ready for battle again. And he ran again and came back. This happened I don't know how many times. You would think that the men who he was to fight with would have wanted to kill him. They did not. They began to see him as courageous. (laughs) You'll have to read the book. They did. They began to see that he, for whatever reason, when the guns went off, He just, that reptilian brain of his just sent him flying. And he would return to face his punishment. Now maybe after the first time he thought they aren't going to execute me. I don't know. But people wrote about him. And they felt their hearts went out to him. And they knew it was not for want of, that... His running had nothing to do with his desire to be a good soldier. (laughs) They cut him a break and saw ultimately his behavior as a kind of courage. His returning over and over. I don't see any way to spin the, uh, the sheriff's deputy in in Florida in that regard. He exposed himself as a coward. Something that I'm sure somewhere in the deep recesses of all of our hearts we fear being exposed as cowards. And most of us live our lives luckily in a way in which we are never really tested. So we generally, I think, like to think of ourselves as doing the right thing, the courageous thing. When in fact, I think anecdotally, it appears that most people 
we're cowards. And on occasion, we rise. That's my sense. On occasion. And those, of course, who are called uh, heroes, who do something, who run toward danger when everyone else is running away, um, they will often say, I made no calculation. I I just did it. They made no more calculation in their courageous act than this poor Civil War soldier made in his cowardly act of desertion. I don't know. Things are complicated. And unfortunately, we don't like that either. We like either or black, white. We like things easily quantifiable so that we can navigate comfortably. And it creates uh, an environment of, uh, of falsehood because everything, almost everything, is extraordinarily complicated. Anyway, we have a caller. Hello. Hi, Lynn. Hi. Hey, you are talking about war and stuff. I noticed on the news media, I don't know if this makes you kind of mad, I, I, they're talking about Trump and he had bone spurs and he didn't go into the Vietnam War. And, you know, and then they go back to Clinton and different things like that. But um, they never seem to say that there was a lot of people who were in college didn't go to the Vietnam War. There was uh, people that had um, went to Canada, you know, and all that. But the thing that really gets me all that, and I could see with the soldiers of thought they're being mad maybe at these people. Maybe they don't. Maybe, I don't know. But they never bring up that the friggin' war was the biggest mistake, just like the Iraq War, that we ever did. So I think it excuses everybody from if they, you wanted to go or you didn't want to yeah, go. Yeah, I, I, mean, I don't understand why they make a big deal. But they never bring it up saying that was the biggest friggin' mistake we ever made. And in the the president, whoever it is, never says anything about it. They just go on and say, well, he didn't go because he had bur-. Well, that's fine. Yeah, I understand that. But it just, I always, it just makes me mad. Because well, first of all, I mean. It happened to begin with. Yeah, he didn't have bone spurs. He got out as no, as a, a million other uh, uh, often white uh, young men of privilege uh, got out through some lie through some subterfuge uh my brother did my uh the guy i married did um and and some like my brother do feel shame now and Mm. felt shame then because as he saw it i i i mean i totally agree remember john Kerry and his um in his uh, uh, testimony before some congressional committee, um, this is uh, as the war was ending, he says, how do you, I think he said, how do you ask the last man to die for a mistake? Yeah. And how do you ask anybody to die for a mistake, which is what you're saying? We were not saving the... We were not... you. 
we were not over there to save the world. We were over there for some no. geopolitical maneuvering and to stay, whatever. It was not, and you can see, and the calculation, obviously, that war was the answer, proved to be, his, I mean, massively wrong, just unbelievably wrong. The people who died on both sides of that conflict should never have died. No. Right. And and for your brother to feel well, here's why. But here's why. I don't think he should. No, but here's why. But let me tell let me tell you his his reasoning. As he walks out of the you know with his uh, get out of jail free card, he Mm -hmm. sees these other guys his age, others standing in line, whatever he knows that because he managed to finagle his way out, someone else without his connections would take his place. And that's where his shame comes in. It's not as though if he... So he saved himself because he had the means to do so, and a lot of other people did not, and they went off. Or they came from families where if you're asked, you go. There's no question about it. And a lot of them, you know, didn't come back. And a lot of them who came back, came back so damaged, mentally, physically, right. emotionally. And my brother and my ex-husband and Donald Trump and uh, Bill Clinton and tons and tons and tons of others escaped. Um, but you know who should be Phil Shane? It's the government. The architects the of the war. Yeah, right. Uh, obviously. Phil Shane of it. Obviously. I mean. Obviously. But that doesn't seem to happen. It's because they want, because they figure we might have to do that again. We might want to do it again, like Iran and or you know Iraq. They so they just keep that open, so they don't say, "Oh, that was a bad thing." They don't go. They'll say it once in a while. They'll go around it, but they never go right at it because they think, "Well, we might have to go about that again." Because they have that in their back of their mind, and you know the next war's coming around the corner anytime, and that's how they think too. They don't care who they kill, whose lives are disrupted. It doesn't matter to them. Yeah. And that's, that's the whole thing that aggravates your hell. It didn't have to be. It didn't have to be. And that's the whole thing that really gets you. Yeah, right. I agree. Thank you. Yep. Okay. Okay, thank you. Bye. 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 Yeah. Well, speaking of our president, this is the thing. I And I've talked about this before. I'm getting increasingly nervous about this 4th of July thing he's doing. I mean, we all know he's been itching since he astonishingly became president that uh, he wants a big military parade. He just wants one so bad and no one's letting him do it. And so... The 4th of July is a national commemoration. And he's 
absconded with it. Other presidents before him have, you know, there's always the fireworks and there's concerts on the National, uh, you know, Mall. And um, and the president maybe, um, I don't know, puts out a a statement. But I don't recall the president's speaking at a 4th of July. And that's... <sighs> so uh, this week it became... Um, it's not he might, it is he will. Uh, he is going to call it, well, when he first announced that he wanted to do this, it was back in February, and he called it a salute to America, really a salute to me. Here's the tweet with which he announced this. This was back in February. A salute to America on the 4th of July featuring a major fireworks display, entertainment, and an address by your favorite president. Me! Exclamation point. And uh, yesterday, uh, the, all of that was confirmed that Donald Trump on the 4th of July, will stand on the steps of the Lincoln Memorial. And, I mean, the reason my shoulders sag at the thought is because we, we now, we, you know, we know this guy. We know his M.O. So he is going to take a holiday that all Americans most celebrate and he's going to make it about him and he's going to politicize it and it's just going to be another campaign rally because he's incapable of anything else and so there's a, a great, I feel sadness about this, not that the 4th of July was ever like my favorite holiday or anything, but just knowing. The fact is, is that CNN and Fox and all those people um, cover 4th of July ceremony. So he's going to have a national audience. Makes me sick. And there is great concern, actually, in the District of Columbia, because generally speaking, the people who turn out for the Washington, D.C. Uh, fireworks and, you know, concerts are the people who live around there. They're, they're the people who live in Washington, D.C. and, you know, in Virginia and, and uh, you know, around there. And so the... Uh, what's her name? Elizabeth, what is her name? Norton. Uh, Eleanor. Eleanor Holmes Norton, who represents the District of Columbia in the Congress, says that she is truly concerned that because Trump is going to be taking center stage, that there are people in the country who are going to want to protest. 
because he brings out the best in all of us. And she's worried that things could get ugly because they'll be his people and the people who don't want him. And she's worried about security. And she's worried about taking what has always been just a big picnicky kind of party atmosphere and turning it into <coughs> a potentially violent event. She says people are going to be angry. This is going to be the angriest July 4th ever. Great. We have a call. Caller, go ahead, please. Hey, Lynn, it's Mike in D.C. Hi, Mike. And I will not be in D.C. on the 4th of July. Good. I'm coming to Pittsburgh. <laughs> um, I've, gone to the, I've gone to the fireworks more times than I can count. I stay on the Virginia side where Amazon now will reside, and it's really lovely. And I wouldn't go to it now if I was required by my employer. Um, I, I can't imagine. The first off, the mall is already um, packed with overheated people. Um, and when I say packed, I mean packed. I don't mean your tea. When your tea is busy, you know, I mean packed. And sort of like the, the John... Stuart rally. You remember that? I looked for you. We couldn't find each other. No, it was, you know, like, I was packed. <laughs> you couldn't see. That couldn't move. Right, right. Now add the now add the neo Nazis with their torch with their torches. No, nah, it's gonna be ugly. And I don't think people really get what the cost the city is oh, for all of that. No, I'm I, I'm I can't imagine. The security right. alone. So for, yeah. Right. So I'm going to buy all my tiki torches now, just in case. I'm going to need any for the summer. <laughs> I'm out of town. It's so funny. When the Charlottesville rally was, was cause I, not far from me, I had visitors from Pittsburgh coming. And I said, oh, I should have told you to get some tor- tiki, tiki torches. And she looked at me like, why? I said, we could have sold those for $30, $30 a pop. So I'm not going to be anywhere near any of that. Um, but so I guess I'll be seeing fireworks in Pittsburgh, which is awesome too. Yeah, right. I mean, everybody does the say what you got to have the the overture from uh, you know the 1812 overture where the cannons go off and all that kind of stuff. And that's why I imagine what they do in D.C. as well. Remember when uh, I think it was under Reagan that they had an Interior Secretary? What a doofus. James Watt, who refused to let the Beach Boys play at the concert on the 4th of July. <laughs> I guess he thought they were the Beach Boys were hippies or something. I don't know. Remember, canceled the Beach Boys. And needless to say, Watt didn't, didn't last long, and the Beach Boys are, are still here. I don't know. God help us. Well, I'm glad but you... But remember that this, yeah. came as a, this came as a failure for Trump. Because he wanted a parade down Pennsylvania parade. Avenue. Yeah. And everyone, including the Department of Defense, said, not happening. Right. And he tried. He made a big stink about that to everybody. 
And, I mean, they try to explain reality to him. You can't have tanks on a road where there's a metro underneath it. Um, you know what I mean? So it's just still a failure for him, but I won't be watching. No. No, and I, geez, I wish that I get, I don't know. Damn it. Okay, thank you. And uh, sure, appreciate the call. Yeah, bye. bye. Jeez. Speaking of parades, <clears throat> um, and again, I haven't said anything about this because it's so absurd. But so in Boston, I suppose if you've heard there because of gay pride uh, parades all around the country. There's a group of uh, unhappy uh, white straight men who um, are organizing a straight pride parade. Uh, And it's just so silly. Um, Heterosexuals were never marginalized. The people who are having like a, a pride parade are are out there because they have been throughout history uh, globally uh, victimized, and uh, they things are turning. They are claiming their place. Uh, straight people, I don't think straight people need the march. And as somebody pointed out, a parade? There's nothing gayer than a parade. And these straight guys are going to have a parade? Ha! (laughs) Anyway. Um, This is the kind of thing, by the way, that in this era of, you know, informational glut... And when so many people um, are reacting to things that really, in the scope of their lives, are meaningless, but they're uh, they're clickbait. They're and this is that kind of a thing. So a few guys, and I'm sure the attention, media attention they've gotten, has been huge, because it's the kind of thing that invites contention and clever put-downs and social media goes berserk. And so a few guys in Boston deciding to do a straight pride parade become like a big national story when in fact 30 years ago we wouldn't have heard a peep about this. It's part of that glut of stress-inducing, anger-inducing crap that comes at us because we're 24-7 on news now. So you find out about every egregious action by every public official, whether it's the mayor of a village of 60 people, it doesn't matter. There's no proportionality or no like, you know, who gives a damn? Let's pay attention to this. So keeping our eyes on consequential stuff instead of the sideshow stuff, which is what I think 
social media and cable news so often are distracted by. I, I just want to say that uh, Pete Buttigieg's husband, Chaston, uh, tweeted the best thing I've seen explaining uh, to anybody who would say, well, yeah, why can't straight people have a parade? Like the people who say white lives matter in response to the black lives matter movement, just refusing to understand what black lives matter means. First of all, it doesn't mean white lives don't matter. <laughs> um, gays uh, pridefully marching in the street does not mean they hate straights. What is this, you know, people who have to constantly take offense if anything occurs that somehow doesn't include them? I don't know. But here's Chastin Buttigieg. Questions you may want to ask yourself before organizing an identity-based parade. Is it or was it ever legal for me to be jailed for my identity? That's a good first question, and I think straight people would have to all say uh, no. Gay people would say yes. Can I be denied housing or health services because of how I identify? I think straight people would have to answer that question, uh, no, not so much gay people, black people, people of color, right? Is it legal to kill me in other countries because of how I identify? Straight people, you know of any countries that are going after people just because they're heterosexual? And killing him? Huh? Can I be kicked out of the military for how I identify? Straight people? Is it or has it ever been illegal for me to marry others of the same identity? Chastin Buttigieg. He said, just some questions to ask yourself, just to start. Because he, he said, I, he, he has more. But those will start it. And if you answered no to all of those questions, then I don't think you need a pride parade. Anyway, I want to tip my hat to Chaston about that. Uh, little Tony says, I'm one American who won't be watching the 4th of July celebration, won't be listening. How truly disappointing this news is. This man's ego knows no bounds. If only his followers' eyes could be opened and they would see how small, how small he is. Yeah. I guess, I think, uh, uh, well... 
Bob and Braddock writes, I really believe that your sister Susan's fears will be realized on the 4th of July when Trump will have his all-American celebration in D.C. where he'll speak, he'll have a band or two perform, have fireworks shot off, and his crowd will serenade him by giving him a Heil Hitler-like salute. I don't think. It's bad enough. Oh, here's a, did you see this? I think this was news today. The Trump administration has now said that all of those kids that we have essentially detained, incarcerated, I mean, we've stuck them in places they are not allowed to leave, and they number at this point uh, over 13,000. Think of that. It's always hard when you get numbers like that to care. Think of one child. Think of your child. And a lot of these kids have journeyed here alone and then found themselves in these camps. The Trump administration announced yesterday that it is going to start canceling classes that they've had for these kids at these centers in English. Classes um, in American history and in math. Because when you have a bunch of kids with nothing to do, what would anyone who cares at all about children do? They would make sure they have something to do. And with children, filling their heads with information and knowledge is always a good idea, for adults as well, actually. They're going to stop. They're going to stop providing recreational activities. So the kids won't have anything to do. They're going to stop the legal aid services that have been in these camps for these kids. Now, the immediate reaction, of course, of the ACLU and other children's uh, rights and uh, essentially humane societies for people um, have, have said if the government does this. And they said they're going to. If they do it, they will get sued immediately. And you can bet there will be an injunction because, in fact, there are rules in place of what you can... There's international rules, for God's sakes, let alone American rules, about if you have children in your custody... You can't stick them in what are essentially uh, evolving toward concentration camps. You know, I don't think I ever understood that term, concentration camp. And I understand it now, seeing what's happening in our own country. Because it takes a problem, and in this case, people, and in 
Germany's case, the people who were deemed, um, you know, vermin, you take that problem and you concentrate it behind barbed wire, all the better to deal with them. And that's what we're doing now with children. And now the Trump administration says going to stop education, recreation, legal aid. These are kids. Over 13,000. You know, we asked, what did Germans do when they started rounding up these children in Germany? What did good Germans do? They didn't do shit. What are good Americans doing? can't make it up. And here's something that's um, really stunned me. I don't know, how did I not know this? Joe Biden, okay? Joe Biden, the front runner for the Democratic nomination to hopefully unseat Donald Trump. Joe Biden, thought by many to be the safe Democratic candidate, said yesterday that he supports the Hyde Amendment. Do you know what the Hyde Amendment is? There's not another contender for the Democratic presidential nomination who supports the Hyde Amendment. Not a one, I think. You'd be hard-pressed to find a Democrat who supports the Hyde Amendment. Joe Biden supports the Hyde Amendment? This is an amendment that came into being some, I don't know, 40, 50 years ago that prevents any federal tax dollars from funding abortions for people who are on Medicaid. Because Medicaid is federal funds. So if your health insurance is Medicaid, you are told that does not Mm-mm. cover what is a legal medical procedure. And Biden, at this point in time, 
with states rolling back protections for women's health, Joe Biden is standing with the Hyde Amendment? Now you could say, well, I sort of understand there are so many people who are just, you know, morally opposed to um, abortion that you can't have them forced by virtue of being taxpayers to potentially have their money go for abortion. Well, last time I looked, as a taxpayer, me, myself, I am in no position to choose what my hard-earned tax dollars are going to. For all I know, they've been diverted to build a friggin' wall. For all I know, they are doing they are killing people somewhere in a war. Biden has at times said he was for ending Hyde, and now he flat out said it says right here on Wednesday yesterday. Joe Biden's presidential campaign confirmed to NBC News that Biden still supports the Hyde Amendment. How is this guy supposed to be the candidate of the Democratic Party. The Democratic Party's platform is for the revocation of the Hyde Amendment and has been, as far as I know, for decades. And if this gets some more traction, I got to tell you, there are a whole bunch of women, especially, and men perhaps, who would not vote for him, knowing this. And at this time, when Roe v. Wade is so under siege, and who's hurt by the Hyde Amendment? Who's hurt? Poor women. Poor women. Black, white, poor, poor women. I'm blown away by it. I really am. When you look at the attacks on women accessing health care, when you look <coughs> at the attacks on women, uh, you look at government, mostly men, controlling women, 
and their bodies. There's no way a man can even comprehend that. Just in the last two years, in the last two years, there was a Trump executive order that directed all of federal agencies, Health and Human Services, Labor, to issue policies that would allow employers, schools, other entities to refuse to cover contraception and preventive health ser- other preventive health services in their insurance plans. You think they're going to stop at abortion? They're already targeting. They're already allowing because of religious or moral objection. Women who work for, unfortunately, the wrong employer, not having access to birth control through her insurance. I'm sure those insurers do cover Viagra. Four million people across the country rely on Title X for birth control for cancer screenings, for well women exams. It's their main doctor's visit. And millions of women are about to lose that coverage again because of Trump. I, uh, they have cut funding for teen pregnancy prevention. And this is a point on which Democrats have constantly provided a strong stand on the other side. Believing in women's integrity and their ability to control their own reproductive lives. And for Joe Biden to be on the other side with something as consequential as the Hyde Amendment is mind-blowing. Just thought you should know. Have a good day. I'll see you tomorrow. Lynn Cullen Live, Monday through Friday from 10 a.m. to 11 a.m. and archived at pghcitypaper.com. The opinions expressed on Lynn Cullen Live are those of the host and do not necessarily reflect the viewpoints of Pittsburgh City Paper or its advertisers.